Hi, this is Kim of Fill Your Cup First podcast. Amy and I have received many requests over the past few months to replay our interview with Marissa Poselli of WordTree LLC. Marissa is an amazing, kind, and warm person, and her talent in the way that she uses words and communication is undeniable. If you haven't heard the interview yet, please sit back and listen to it. We hope you enjoy it. And if you have heard it before, please listen again. You never know. You may pick up some, some of Marissa's wisdom that you may not have heard before. Enjoy. Welcome to Fill Your Cup First, the podcast that puts self-care where it belongs, at the top of your priority list. We're your hosts, Amy Hoke and Kimberly Rabago, and we're so happy you're here with us today. Today we have Marissa Polselli with us. She is the founder of WordTree LLC, and she's a writer and speaker whose love of words began with her first library card at age six. I just love that. She draws on her 18 years of experience as a teacher, 10 years of work with student journalists, five years in the corporate world, and a lifelong love affair with language to help people connect with the power of words and express them with joy and authenticity. She happens to also be a friend of both of ours, and we are honored that she is our guest on our first episode of Fill Your Cup First. Hi, Marissa. How are you? Hey, Amy. Hey, Kim. Thank you so much, first of all, for your kind words of introduction. Um, and thank you for bringing this just to the world. It's such a needed topic, and I can't think of two better people to really bring it to the fore. Thank oh, you. Thank I'm you. To be here. Marissa, we're so glad to, that you're here with us today. And um, like Amy said, we consider you such a, a wise person and a good friend. So um, thank you for, for joining us. Oh, thank you. I'll try to live up to wise. <laughs> you are wise. <laughs> you are. So as you know, and you know, our guests don't know, but Marissa knew about the beginning and the idea of this podcast before it got started and um, helped us with some things to get it started. And one of the goals of Fill Your Cup First is to change the conversation about self-care away from just and I don't want to take away from these types of activities, but the monthly spa day and things like that, we want to sure. practice self-care every day. And it's in all different forms and ideas. Mm -hmm. um, so the one thing I would like to talk to you about, and maybe when you tell your story is I see self-care as doing things that you love in life and stepping away from things that don't serve you anymore. So if you could tell your story about leaving, you know, the corporate world and starting your own business, doing something that you are so wonderful at and gifted and mm -hmm. gifted at and doing that, getting to do that every day. Thank you. Yeah. And you know, um, I'll go back even just a little bit further because it really does relate to my self-care journey and my growing understanding of what self-care means. Um, being a teacher for, for 17 years or 18 years, um, you know, it was the common understanding that if you're doing what you love, 
it's okay if you're working yourself half to death, right? Mm -hmm. Because I was um, I was a, a teacher in the Catholic school system that you know the pay wasn't great. I almost always worked two jobs, sometimes worked three, and the expectation was that's normal, that's okay, because you're in a service-related profession. And not to go off on a tangent, but I see that as sort of a cultural norm mm -hmm. um, that folks who are in caring professions, social workers, nurses, you know, people who are in service-related professions, police officers, firefighters, often are expected to work either with very low pay or very hard hours, or an overwhelming caseload, and the rationale is that well, you're doing something. It's a calling. Yeah, you're doing something that you love. It's service. You really shouldn't mm -hmm. have a healthy life, you know, right. serving. And so that that seed of you know being set up for burnout was implanted in me even before I went into corporate and left corporate to do what I do feel my ultimate calling is at this point in my life. So I did that for a while. When it was time to leave, I went into the corporate world, did that for five years, um, worked with patient advocacy. It was very fulfilling on that level. But as you intimated, my real calling was to work with words and to help people express themselves. So I did start my company, and for a while, I did both side by side. Um, Almost two years ago, it'll be two years on April 11th. Oh, that's I, a good day. Yeah, <laughs> um, I left my corporate job and went full time into doing what I love, which is um, writing for people, helping people express themselves, and moving into speaking as well, talking about just the relationship with words and how words can connect us to our true selves, to other people, and to an even bigger picture. Um, so as far as self-care is concerned, that presented a whole new set of problems because being a solopreneur, you are doing absolutely everything on your own. Mm -hmm. And even though I have great, incredible mentors and friends and support, um, it really is a, a, a huge task to all of a sudden be in charge of every aspect of not just your personal life, but your business life, mm -hmm. including scheduling, timing. How often do you take on new clients? Well, if you're like me, it's as often as possible because you're starting, you know, when you start out, you're trying to create a client base. And yeah. um, thank goodness that's been very successful for me. And it's not, you know, it doesn't have the air of desperation that it had my first couple of months. Right. But, um, you know, you set yourself up to, to, try to work around this not having a safety net you are it and you are responsible for everything and um i did that for for two years and it got me to a point um where i am right now where i, I kind of pushed myself a little too hard physically and even mentally um not paying attention to cues that my body was giving me that I needed more rest and a more sane pace. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm, I'm going through that experience now of recognizing that that's where I am and re-evaluating my approach so that I can still um, be of service to my clients, but as the podcast name implies, fill my cup first so that I can then give to other people because the well will eventually run dry mm -hmm. if you just keep going and exhausting yeah. yourself. You can have the biggest heart in the world, but you will run out 
if you don't take care of yourself first. So I'm, I'm coming face to face with that reality now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Was well, that, was that, um, not hard to come to that reality, but it was it, was it sort of like the aha moment to say, Oh, this is, this is burnout or this is what I'm experiencing and give a name to it. It was, it was very hard because it was so deeply ingrained in me that you just keep going and giving that you don't allow for that. And I'm a person, look, I love what you said, Amy, in the beginning. I love a spa day. I love rest. I'm all for leisure. But I, I hadn't ever in my life built healthful habits in on a consistent and regular basis. Mm -hmm. That's what was missing. There were these, and I saw it as a luxury or or a reward and not as part of life. And for me, other people might be different, but my personality is such that I need to really be pushed to understand something at times. And Mm -hmm. that's the way this was. I needed to really, really get exhausted before I was willing to say, hey, Marissa, look at what you're doing and realize that you can be of, of even greater service to other people if you do take care of yourself. Yeah. Um, so that's the effort now is to yeah. put those things right. in place. And um, I'm excited to be doing that now. Yeah. Well, and what you touched on earlier is uh, your work prior to being a solopreneur in that you uh, – you know, we learn and we have these messages given to us in the helping professions that not that you're a volunteer, but that's almost like what it's, what we're told is that you are of service to others. You are giving back. And so those early messages along with others around us culturally, we're, we're told to, to give first. So to, you just over a lifetime pick that up and it becomes part of what you adopt and and our thinking, you know, we both are also helping professionals. It just gets ingrained in in our thinking. And it's so hard, even though I know all three of us, because we've spoken about it off of the podcast, believe in self care. It is so (laughs) hard to take the idea and, and practice. It is something that you develop over time. And, um, we are so thankful that you're sharing this story being kind of in this situation currently because it's mm-hmm. going to be so helpful to, to those listening to this. Mm-hmm. Thank yeah. you. That was something I thought about, you know, I thought, should I wait to do the podcast until I've got it all solved? Not that that would ever really happen. <laughs> yeah. like maybe I'm further along the road, but I'm a firm believer that, um, every stage of the journey has purpose and beauty and value. And so um, there are tons of books written by people who have reached some level of mastery and in incorporating self-care into their lives. But maybe sometimes people need to hear from someone who's in the trenches with them Absolutely. and going through it with them. And so for me, um, I saw your invitation as a gift to help bring meaning from this phase of my mm-hmm. life and this season of my life. So thank you for that opportunity. Yeah, I I agree with you that, you know, sometimes we think once we're on the other one, we're over the hump, then Mm -hmm. we'll share the whole entire story to help someone. But being like you said, in the trenches and going through it right now, people connect with that, you know, um, not being on the other side of things, but being in it. And I think it's 
probably even more helpful for everyone to hear. So yeah. thank well, you. There's room for everyone at every stage. And yes. I just think this right. in, in many different areas is um, a stage of the journey that is underrepresented. I think our culture prizes perfection and, you know, looking at the guru on the mountaintop. And um, I think a lot of times what people are craving is not so much someone to, you know, make declarations from the top the mountain but to put their arm around them on the road up the mountain yeah and right. alongside them so right. um i think that's a, a valuable viewpoint and um, and you've created a, a venue for that to be uh brought to people so thank you for that yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it is about having someone on the journey with you that is there. Um, I to pretty much just piggyback on the, what the two of you said, it, it is helpful to see those people that have gotten to that point. But um, it's very hard for you to imagine that you're ever going to be there because you are so dug in to where you are because you're you're to the point of, like you said, burnout. You just can't see that ever being different for you because you're in it. Yeah. So, yes, that's why, you know, the wise words of the woman right here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and your um, your view of stepping back and seeing it as a, an opportunity is incredible to me. It's so inspiring because you're you're looking at it positively and, and as something that um, I don't want to say meant to happen, but you know, uh, an opportunity to give you this time to step back and getting back into work, building in that self-care as part of your day and, and how you function in your business. So that was so inspiring to me when you mentioned that you see this as an opportunity. Um, because we often sometimes will say like, how did, you know, almost beat ourselves up over it, but right. you're not. And the mm -hmm. way that you're looking at it is incredible. Right. Well, thank you. And that's not, that hasn't been my whole life. That's, that's a newly acquired um, skill. Um, I, I really believe that, you know, that we have a tendency to bring guilt on ourselves far more than mm -hmm. is necessary. And, um, I think it's, it's not shame and guilt are not fertile ground for anything beautiful to grow. Right. Um, right. So if we want to move forward and we want beauty and goodness and health in our lives, um, it's, it's time to rewrite those scripts of guilt and shame. And instead of saying, how did I let this happen? Why wasn't I smarter about the way I paced myself? Why this, why that? Um, we can look at the positive side of it and see what good comes from it and be compassionate with ourselves in the process. Yes. Yep. That, that yes. self-forgiveness, that patience with yourself is so key. It's a game changer. And if there's one thing that I could recommend for anyone struggling um, with pacing, with burnout, whether you're a solopreneur, whether you're a, a mompreneur, whether you're just a mom, whether you're a businessman, whatever you happen to be, um, our culture is, is punishing at times. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, what I what I so dearly hope for everybody is that practice of self-forgiveness and compassion to be as compassionate with yourself as you would be to your best friend who was confiding in you that they were going through a difficult time. Yes. Mm -hmm. That is such a key point. I mean, that is in another layer of self-care is mm -hmm. practicing that. 
Mm-hmm. Thank you for bringing that up. Mm-hmm. Um, Marissa, what would you say is the number one challenge that you face in practicing regular self-care um, in your life? I would say, and this will be different for everyone, but just the way my personality is, I find it overwhelming. Um, so when I think of self-care, I think of a couple of different areas that need to be, you need to be moving forward in them in order to have a healthy life. So there's, there's rest, nutrition, movement, um, spirituality of some kind, even if it's just self-reflection or, or, um, or meditation. And I don't mean to say just before that, as though that's lesser, but um, in whatever form spirituality takes for you um, and relationship. So those are five areas that I feel come together to make up a person, a healthy, integrated person. So even just taking one of them, say we take nutrition. Okay. So I want to practice self-care and nutrition. So what I'll do is research every possible diet that exists. The big people in the world of anti-inflammatory diets. Okay. I'm going to read all of their books. And what do I need to make to have this anti-inflammatory diet? And what what trips to the store do I need to do? And before long, I've convinced myself that to be healthy i need to be making like some miracle elixir from carrot tops and fairy dust (laughs) oh i like the fairy dust (laughs) (laughs) and 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 i've spent the whole day and i'm already exhausted and i've done nothing else and i haven't moved forward so my my challenge with self-care is that i very often um view it as an all or nothing and i have to become an expert in every area mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. if i want to do exercise well what kind of yoga equipment is there and what match should i use and what videos should i do and what are the different types and you don't actually get anywhere mm-hmm. you're just doing all of this wheel spinning so i can very easily go down a rabbit hole with just about anything uh, it's great for research but it's not so good for living a healthy life so that's my biggest challenge okay that's fair <laughs> i can see that <laughs> I think a lot of people would fall into that because they might Google, like you said, like, you know, a a yoga style and then they see all the cute outfits and they see the cute mat and they're like, Oh, that would make me feel better. That would make me feel better. So then they start to go down to Amazon and they just start to go in that rabbit hole of things that they think will make them feel better, but they're really not doing the practice. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. And so overcoming that, how do you overcome that challenge of, um, all that research and then just getting started. How how are you working on that right now? So for me, that that takes place a couple of ways. The first is what I already mentioned. Be, don't beat yourself up about it. Um, mm-hmm. Understand, okay, I have this personality trait um, and I'm not going to lament lost time that, you know, the days that I spent Googling things. Um, however, I try to talk, to talk myself back from the all or nothing approach mm. and say, today, what is one small thing I can do? All right, I'm not going to become an, an expert yogi master or an expert anti-inflammation diet master in, in one day. But how about one recipe? One recipe that doesn't involve mm. fairy dust, right? Mm. One thing that you can buy the ingredients of Giant and you can do it in 20 minutes. Um, and then maybe next week, I'll do another one. So learning to pace myself and to be okay with it and to not feel that panicky, but what if, but I should be doing this and I should be doing that. 
learning how to take those shoulds out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like taking a stinger out of a bee. Yeah. Yes. Those yep. shoulds are, are deadly yep. to your mental health and your emotional health. So for me, overcoming the overwhelm is about reducing the shoulds mm-hmm. and understanding that it's not about being perfect in a day or a week or even a month, but about taking the next right step. Yeah, and, uh, and being kind and patient with myself and knowing this is a lifelong journey. I have the rest of my life to practice recipes. I don't need to learn them all in one day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to just let slow myself down and say, it's going to be okay. You don't, to, you don't have to do everything all at once and do it all perfectly. Yes. Yeah. My cousin and I always say to each other, don't should all over yourself. Yeah. Because it's sort of like, <laughs> I love it. Because <laughs> you do. You, I should, I should show up to this. I should show up to this. I should do this. And yeah. Don't yeah. should all over yourself. Yeah. It's like g- giving your per- yourself permission to not be perfect about it, but just to get, get started with, like you said, some small thing, just a recipe today. Or yep. sometimes when I feel like I've gotten off track, I just start drinking like the my water. I have a goal for every day. You know what, mm-hmm. Amy? I can just do this today. And if that's all that I can do, that's great to just get back on track. So mm-hmm. I love those small steps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And celebrating them. You know, there's, yeah. a, there's a phrase. It's the perfect is the enemy of the good. Oh, oh, I like that. And I love that phrase. You know, and it, it, I think it goes against a lot of what we're taught. Anything worth doing is worth doing well. Well, no. <laughs> right. True, right. That sets you up for it. If you can't do it well, just sit your fail that. That's all right. You're allowed to, <laughs> you're allowed to say it. <laughs> we'll mark it explicit. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Let's get Sit yourself down because you're gonna fail. Don't even bother. Right? <laughs> exactly. Grades always rub me the wrong way. I would much rather. If anything's worth doing, it's worth doing in a mediocre way. Yeah. And eventually, you can work your way up to good and well, and and maybe in some things perfect. But that's um. That's a, a moving goal anyway, because you can always get better at things. I yeah. love that. I love it. I love it. I'm going to change some quotes that That's are right. out there. That's right. <laughs> uh, Marissa, if you had only five minutes mm-hmm. um, for self-care, what would you do? I think it depends on the situation. Um, and, you know, I would love to say – would like to sound really enlightened to you and your your listeners and say that I assume the lotus position and my petals <laughs> unfold and I become one with the universe. I'm not knocking that. I love lotuses and, and petals and all of these good things. Um, but truth be told, if I have five minutes, most of us time I'm just playing Candy Crush. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, it's because it clears my mind. Um, or a word game like Scrabble cubes. Oh my gosh, I love that game. Um, it's something that completely makes another part of my mind work and gets me into almost automatic um, processing. Um, or I might just close my eyes or I might pet my dog. So That's within it. five minutes, mm-hmm. those are three things that I can do. But a lot of times I'll go for the brainless, goofy activity that really has no cultural or world-saving value or soul-enlightening value at all because it's just what I need in those five minutes. 
kids. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Yeah, Yeah. that's great. And knowing like what to do, like right away, these couple of things I know are kind of in my toolbox. I can pull Mm -hmm. them out and I need to do something mindless and different from my work. Or like you said, just sitting with your dog for a few minutes and petting your dog. So Mm -hmm. that's great. Mm -hmm. Um, What's the most surprising thing you've ever learned about self-care? So um, I love this question. Um, I think the most surprising thing is that it's more internal work than it is external work. I think a lot of times people think the challenge with self-care is finding the time. So it's the scheduling. How do I schedule in more sleep or time to meal prep or whatever the case may be? But what, at least for me, at least this holds true for me, and I suspect that it does for many people because the external uh, reflects the internal. The biggest challenge is um, all of the work that needs to be done on the inside to to get yourself to be okay with the concept and to internalize it, not as something that is a treat or a luxury, but that is a necessity and part of life. And I think part of what makes that so challenging is that, um, as we mentioned earlier in the, in the in the podcast, we have all of these these ideals that are enforced um, in society about, you know, giving and and especially if you're a caregiver or a helper of any kind, um, that it's just something that you're supposed to keep doing. And we have sort of this cult of busyness in America. Mm-hmm. You know, the, mm-hmm. the old saying, um, idle hands are the devil's workshop. No, they're not. I want my hands to be idle sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. But it's all about, you know, it's, it's about – believing that things can be different than what you've always been told. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'll give you a a funny example. I belong to a parish in Quakertown called St. Isidore's Parish. And the the patron saint of this parish is Isidore the Farmer. So if you know anything about Catholic saints, a lot of them got to be saints because they were martyred. They were killed defending the faith or standing up for it in really gruesome ways. But Isidore was a peasant farmer and he liked to go to mass in the morning but the fields aren't going to plow themselves so he asked angels to come and do his work for him according to the legend and they did so i want this guy's deal right <laughs> <laughs> you know, who says you have to be played alive to become a saint Not exactly. he gets angels to do his work for him right he rewrote the script of what it means to be a saint and I think we need to rewrite the script of what it means to be a successful person, a successful professional, an entrepreneur, a parent in America. It is not about accomplishing so much by this age. It is about being a healthy, happy, integrated person and setting that example for our children, for the next generation, creating that culture where self-care is the norm where it's embraced, where no one is made to feel guilty or less than because they're taking care of themselves. Um, And it is as far into our culture now as Isidore's idea of sainthood was back in 1070 when he was around, right? It can be done. We can rewrite this. And I believe that what you're doing is a huge part of rewriting that script and changing that conversation. I think that you touched on something really cool with Isidore um, is that he asked for help. Mm. And a lot of times in this culture that we're in now, we, 
I, I've talked to many people and they're like, I don't want to bother anybody. I don't yeah. want to ask anybody for help. And we, that's another part of the script that needs to change as well is the getting rid of the busy, but also asking for help if our yeah. load is too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very true. I think that's super important. And I think from um, an entrepreneurial perspective, I think there's also a taboo about the fear of, of appearing vulnerable. Yeah. Oh yes. Mm -hmm. Right. Because, you know, and I, that actually crossed my mind when I accepted to do this because I'm sharing that this is something I'm going through. It doesn't mean that I'm not working. It doesn't mean that I'm not fulfilling for clients, but I thought, well, what if in sharing this vulnerability, it doesn't inspire that she's there 24 seven fulfilling all needs perfectly. Right. And I thought, I don't, I don't want people to think that. I don't want to be here twenty four seven right. for clients, you know. And, and so, um, I actually this weekend for the first time I put automatic replies on my email over the weekend, and it just says, you know, your message is important to me. You've reached me after hours or on the weekends. Um, I'll look forward to getting back to you on the next business day. Mm-hmm. And so, I'm trying to incorporate into my life. This idea that um, you don't have to be, in order to be perceived as valuable by clients and, and by others, you don't need to portray this image of complete and utter, like you're a machine. Right. I'm not a right. Right. hire a machine, put, put some algorithm into like a computer, use a robot. I'm not a machine. You want a writer? I'm your girl. Yeah, right? right. And I'll do that from my heart. And this heart happens to be learning how to be better to herself at this time. And all of that's going to make me better for you. Yeah. So um, I think that we need to get past this idea that asking for help or appearing human is somehow a downside or a detriment when in reality it's a much better and more authentic and honest place to connect clients, to connect with other people and to create on a human level and give them your best. Yes. And I think when you start putting those boundaries in place and not, um, you know, seeming as like you're a machine and you can do it all and you start to surround yourself and those types of clients friends, people enter your life that value that and know that your best work is because you're taking care of yourself first Mm -hmm. and and have those boundaries in place. Mm -hmm. So So that is so true. That that message that you put out will come back to you and the type of people who who come to you. So very, very uh, astute point. Yeah. Yeah. That is it's a great point. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we just have to, we just have to make, we just, we're just starting the conversation and, and doing it so that hopefully society starts to follow because, um, the busyness is just, it's just wearing us out. It's really yeah. putting us to the point of fatigue and, and burnout. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like you mentioned vulnerability where that is welcomed to, um, sharing a story of struggle is seen as a strength and I I believe it as well too that is something that I believe in and it came to me about two years ago that my imperfectness is something that helps connect um my story to people or Mm -hmm. you know me to people in general Mm -hmm. so I think that's really important to keep that in mind and changing that conversation too 
that mm-hmm. vulnerability is very important to share. So we thank you so much for being here today and doing that, um, knowing that you're currently working on this and willing to share that you're in the midst of it. And I think it's going to be so helpful for our listeners. Mm-hmm. And I hope been- so. Thank you so much for the chance. I can't tell you how honored I am to be your first guest. I have such respect and admiration for both of you on a personal and professional level. So thank you. Right back at you, sister. <laughs> yes. So Marissa, where can people find you um, on in social media? Sure. The best place to find me is my website, um, which is wordtree.net. Um, I'm also on Facebook and I'm getting better at Instagram. LinkedIn is a huge place to find me as well. I'm a LinkedIn evangelist. I love the platform and um, I think it's a great place to connect with people. Yeah. We'll be sure to host uh, to place I all that stuff. I think I'm the only Marissa <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. What was that? No, we'll be sure to list all of that information in our show notes. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. So everyone knows how to reach you um, and get in touch with you um, to learn more about the gift that you have and and what you do um, and share with this world. So thanks again for being here today on fill your cup first podcast, our first. Amy and I appreciate you listening. Please rate review and share fill your cup first podcast with a friend. Also remember you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Fill Your Cup First Podcast. We appreciate you listening.